Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. green are you an ultimate eagles football fan well you're in the right place well you're in the right place this is birds 365 hosted by the new mac and mac jody mcdonald and john mcmullen here we go here we go who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good Wednesday morning, Birds fan. An undefeated Wednesday, because that's what your Philadelphia Eagles are. Even though our tensions are a little split these days in Philadelphia with the Phillies doing what they're doing on the baseball side, Dallas Week does grab every Eagles fan's attention, and we're here to talk about it for the next two hours. Your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, here to hang with you. Are you ready for a walkthrough Wednesday, Johnny Mac? Is it going to be a walkthrough Wednesday? It is. Uh, That was kind of a late change. So, you know, the Eagles had put a regular Wednesday on the schedule and all of a sudden shifted gears uh, uh, yesterday afternoon. We'll talk to Nick Sirianni um, this afternoon before practice, before actually after the walkthrough. 
and see why he shifted gears. My guess is because the offensive line is banged up and Micah Parsons is there. That that would be my best my best guess. And they want to get everybody as possible, everybody as healthy as possible to deal with Micah Parsons because and I still gotta look at some Cowboys games and some Cowboys tape, but I assume it's a lot like last year and they're gonna move them around to you know, what the best scenario is to, to rush. So that could be inside, outside, either side. Um, and he's, if he's not the best player in football, he, he's catching up to Aaron Donald. Um, he's, 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 you could argue he's been the most dominant defensive player in football. So he's, he's, he's tough to deal with. And he's even tougher to deal with if you're de- if you're using backup offensive linemen and as good as Jack Driscoll has been, I I said it yesterday on the show. I want Jordan Mylotta out there sure. this week, if at all humanly possible. Right. And I give Driscoll a lot of credit for both games that he's turned in since <clears throat> uh, filling in for Mylotta, but Mylotta is Mylotta. It's the reason why the Eagles gave him the uh, huge contract that they did. He had been phenomenal. Uh, and, yeah, you want to have uh, all your best players available if that extra day of non-practice is the difference and Eagles are doing the right thing. We don't know that. They don't know that. Nobody really knows that. But we'll have to wait till Sunday night to find out. But I thought you made a, a good point there, and I think you got to give the opposition a little credit this week. I know that's not what Eagle fans, most Eagle fans, I shouldn't no, say all, most Eagle fans, hear that. They, yeah. they don't want to hear anything that's positive about the Dallas Cowboys, but reality is reality. The fact that they use Michael Parsons the way that they do, and I think Dan Quinn is one of the best defense coordinators in the National Football League. Head coach, I'm not so sure, but I know he's a great defensive coordinator, and he's doing it again this year with them. You have to have other talented players to be able to do that. It really is a plus. If you can just plug and play a guy all along the defensive line, bring him from the left, bring him from the right, bring him from the middle. It makes it so much more difficult for a team to prepare for him and stop him. But when you're doing that, you're displacing a whole bunch of other guys because there are some players in the National Football League that just know their position. They know how to play their position. We give Jack Dreskel a lot of credit this week because he's going from left to right. And he's going from inside to outside. There are a whole bunch of guys, Andre Dillard, uh, who can't do that, who can't just oh, well, plug them into another spot. No, they're just not capable of doing that. Well, when you use Michael Parsons the way the Cowboys use him, you're displacing a whole bunch of other players that are asked to do different things, have different responsibilities. And to the Cowboys' credit, for the first uh, five games of the year, there has not been a fall off, no matter where they put Michael Parson along their defensive front. The other guys have uh, filled the void and done what they've had to do. Yeah, and that's always been a big thing with uh, cornerbacks. You know, I talked about that uh, with Slay for a long time because you know people are like, just just have Slay travel with so and so years past, and what you just said is correct. You're displacing everybody else. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, the Eagles have good corners now, so it's not as big a, a, of a deal, but in years prior and when he was in Detroit, you know, some guys can't just move, you know, they can't move. So you can't move slay as much as maybe you would like to. Um, and, and yeah, the Cowboys have, you know, they have Demarcus Lawrence who's comfortable uh, moving to the other side if he has to be. They have uh, Dante Fowler. They have Dorrance Armstrong. So, And then I think a lot of these guys, 
they realize, you know, Micah Parsons is going to make it easier for us. So they've, they've embraced it um, as well. And that's part of it. Uh, but you're right. Uh, I, I think a lot of fans don't realize that, you know, it's easy to say it, but right. it's not as easy to do it. And, and the Cowboys, and you mentioned Dan Quinn's one of the best defensive coordinators in this league. You know, I joked about how Shane Steichen's, you know, got the rocket on his you-know-what when it comes to potential head coaching jobs. And I got the email when Matt Rule got fired and everybody speculating in all the betting markets. And it was Sean Payton, obviously, number one. Uh, Number three was Shane Steichen. Number two was Dan Quinn, right in between. I mean, he's a really, really – highly regarded uh, defensive coordinator. As you mentioned, had one opportunity to be a head coach. It, it, it wasn't terrible. Um, so he'll probably get a, a second opportunity. Uh, but he's a really, really good coordinator. And in the conversation for being the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. And, yeah, Eagles fans probably don't want to hear that. Now, does he play a spinoff of the Vic Fangio defense? Is he one of the disciples or does he actually? No, he's a cover three guy. He's a, you know, he's a Seattle guy. So uh, a little bit of a, of a different tilt, uh, tint. And, you know, the, 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 here's the problem. And I've talked about this, you know, what it was really Tony Dungy cover two um, became, in vogue everybody started using it and then there's a tipping point where it becomes you know oversaturation people get too used to it people understand it not everybody has the same level of talent same thing happened with the the legion of boom and cover three in seattle everybody's copying seattle um now everybody's copying big fangio and this multiple front quarters coverage there's going to be a tipping point. Um, the good news for the Eagles is they have a lot of talent. So they're probably going to be at the back end of that tipping point. But there is going to be a tipping point. Meaning that uh, there'll be another <clears throat> new defense that everyone will follow? Well, it, it'll become too too easy to deal with. And, yeah, people will shift to another um, sort of framework. And the good coordinators – are always the ones reinventing themselves and adding things and doing different things. Dan Quinn, as an example, is not just what he once was as a Seattle cover three guy. He does a lot of different things uh, and he, and he, and he ships things up a little bit, but most people in this league, and that's why they call it a copycat league. They follow what works, right? They say, Oh, that works. Let's do that. And it's, it's, that's my issue with so many teams using the same scheme. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of follow the leader. I'd rather be the leader. But if you have a lot of talent and the Eagles have a lot of talent, you're just going to have talent people no matter what you run. Right. My, my hope would be specifically for the Eagles that they tailor their defense to fit the talent they have rather than 
try and pick a defense and put a square peg in a right around. Oh, I think Harry Roseman has done a good job. Second year working with Nick Sirianni and understanding exactly what he wants out of his defense. I think the Eagles acquired some players this year that give them a better chance. I'm okay with the Vic Fangio defense. As long as you've got the players to play it, even if the rest of yeah. the league knows that you're playing it and they're for, for getting ready for it all together too often during the year. <clears throat> if you got the talent that you should still be able to be an effective defense, the Cowboy defense has been very effective. Certainly Michael Parsons is the guy who makes that go, but they've also got a very talented corner in Trayvon Diggs. And you and I have talked on the show before about what Trayvon Diggs is. He's a big play guy. He takes chances. He's fast enough to get in, jump routes, make big interceptions, and turn games around on a dime. But he also, in taking those chances, can be beat. That he gives up big plays. That guys can get behind him. If you're Shane Steichen, Nick Sirianni at all on the offensive side, you going at him? You trying to avoid him? Do you treat him like one of the 11 guys on the opposite side of the ball on Sunday? How do you think they are tailoring you know, or tweaking their game plan, knowing Trayvon Diggs <laughs> is what he is? You know, that's been part of the fun of the Eagles, and that's what I like about the coaching staff. Like a lot of teams say it's about uh, the opposition on a on a certain week, but the Eagles prove it. I mean, they play completely different from week to week. And last week you saw, look, I'll be honest, they drove Bubble screens. Crazy. They drove me crazy with that nonsense. Um, But Arizona blitzed a lot, and that was their answer uh, to the blitz. The early scripted stuff worked really well with Dallas Goddard. Um, But, and, and that was their answer for the blitz. And, and very few teams blitz more than Arizona. Um, In other weeks, you know, you look at speaking of uh, the big Fangio scheme, you look at uh, Minnesota, which is, way behind the Eagles on the spectrum of using it. Um, and you saw some of that soft coverage and the Eagles were able to take advantage of it, um, you know, take advantage of those soft spots down the field. Um, I think they're going to take some shots down the field. I hope they're going to take some shots down the field, maybe double move. Um, they have the receivers to do it. Uh, Jalen Hurts has proven that he's a very good uh, deep ball thrower. Um, when they allow them to do it. And and I shouldn't even say that because I think a lot of the, the bubble screams was also Jalen Hurts making that decision in the moment. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be in the game plan to try and take advantage of the aggressiveness of, of, of Trayvon Diggs. Not a lot, but a few times. And when you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, um. You can you can win a battle or two, even against a, a really good player. But you got to be careful. It and and one of the best things, maybe the best thing about Jalen Hurts this year, of all the you know flowers you want to throw at Jalen Hurts, I think the the biggest bouquet should be guy takes care of the football. He takes care of the football, and I don't want to hear about an interception here and there, bad throw. Everybody has interceptions, except Aaron Rodgers. But everybody has interceptions. I mean, the guy takes care of the football. And I didn't see that coming. I got to be honest with you. You're right. Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw picks. He just gets balls batted down. 
in the red zone when he needs a touchdown to be able to get a game. Well, you don't like Aaron Rodgers. You're like the only one in the history of the NFL that doesn't like Aaron Rodgers. I, John, I'm on record as saying. Well, uh, by the way, not personally. A lot of people don't like him personally. Right. I'm talking about. And if he thinks uh, mushrooms are going to change the world, more power to him. But uh, no, I just, uh, I'm on record as saying he's got the best skill set of any quarterback I've ever seen play. And that includes that Brady guy. Rogers got a better skill set to play quarterback in the national football league, but the ring is the thing. And he has come up short in the playoffs. And I just uh, put that out to every once in a while, the balance, the uh, overabundance of uh, the praise for AJ Brown, the latest, I told you that story. That was, that was amazing. No, what Um, story is that? But you know, really interceptions though, I was talking about, so I had to look it up. Uh, so here's the last, I can't even go back the, 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 since 2011, uh, six in 502 attempts, eight in 552, which is terrible. Uh, five and 340, uh, uh, that's completions. Uh, sorry. Uh, five and 520, eight and 572, seven and 610, six and 238 got injured that year. Two and 597, two interceptions and 597 wow. attempts that was 2018 four and 569 um five and 526 four and 531 unbelievable unbelievable when it comes to uh you know and it's easier the modern nfl helps but those numbers are still ridiculous um but jalen hurts he takes care of the football he really takes it. And then every once in a while you had the bad throw that should have been intercepted by uh, Jalen Thompson. Um, took a chance at the goal line that was probably, it was also Jalen Thompson with the Quez Watkins throw. And everybody goes nuts. I'm like, overall, again, can context. The guy takes care of the football. He has uh, this year. He didn't last year. Let's. You just ran down yeah, this year. The the this Rogers uh, uh, unbelievable track record, decades worth of not uh, giving up the football, not throwing picks. Jalen threw more than his fair share. No, yeah, and and so, so and far I mean this year, year in five games, he's done a nice job of taking care of the football. I think the overall uh, is Jalen going to be rogers like no well no i don't even expect i mean i can't can't expect that but um it it, contextually for most nfl quarterbacks he's doing a tremendous tremendous job of taking care of the football let's let's see what he does this week because he's playing the best defense he's played this year the most opportunistic defense and i think it's uh my guy kemsky who sold me on this during the offseason there has to be a drop-off in the plus-minus for the Cowboys. It was so big last year, they can't possibly sustain that. Well, guess what? They're number two in the NFL again. Now, number one is the Philadelphia Eagles at plus nine. They've got the best turnover ratio in the NFL. Tied for second again is the Dallas Cowboys. They're plus five and have seven uh, interceptions already this year. So it'll be a, a nice litmus test for Jalen doing a great job protecting the ball for the Eagles hurts this season. I eat John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. we got two good guests coming your way today. Uh, usual spot for our buddy, Mike Gill from down the shore, 97 <coughs> ESPN, the sports bash. Uh, he's going to join us in less than five minutes. And 
Gary Myers, a guy we've had on the show with us before, a longtime NFL writer, NFL author, Hall of Fame selector, uh, great football guy. Um, thought it'd be a good week to get him on because, uh, believe it or not, Gary started his career down in Dallas writing for the morning news covering the Cowboys. Now, that was 30 years ago, but that goes back. <laughs> Gary was uh, the owner of the team when Gary moved his tack from Dallas up to New York and became more of a national guy and uh, working on uh, some very good uh, NFL shows, uh, television shows as well. Uh, Gary's going to hop aboard. I thought Dallas week would be a good week to get uh, Gary up. So Mr. Myers will join us in about an hour from now. But coming up next, Mike Gill of 97.3, the sports bash down the shore, is going to jump in with Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our Winter Watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown's five-day used car super sale. Jeff puts an end to high prices now. Five days of the best car, truck, and SUV deals ever. Over 1,000 vehicles, every make and model. Stop overpaying. See Jeff today and get a quality car, truck, or SUV now. The five-day used car super sale. Experience how easy it is to deal at Jeff's. Nobody treats you better. Nobody gives you more. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. GoJeffAuto.com.
Wednesday edition of Birds 365 with Tobacco Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. Wednesdays is undefeated Wednesday, and it's usually Gill Day here on Birds 365. And that's the case again this week. He's out on the back porch. Mike Gill, our buddy from down the shore, ready to jump in with us. Uh, my, let me ask the first question here, Johnny Mac. Mike Gill, on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being. Oh, yeah, I put my own money away for the Super Bowl because the Eagles aren't getting picked off in the NFC. Of course, they're going to the big game come February back to Arizona. Zero being win. No, no, no. The other team handed them the game on a silver platter. They didn't really win the game. They didn't earn the game. Between zero and ten, you get the uh, extreme ends of the opposite spectrum. Where would you rank the Eagles win on Sunday against Arizona? How? Oh, Jody, I actually thought it was pretty impressive. I mean, 4-0, Dallas coming up. You know, you go on the road to Arizona, a place they haven't played all that well, and you found another way to win. I mean, to me, these are the good teams. I don't look at the aesthetics of a win. I look at time, place, when it fits into your schedule. I know they don't have Hopkins. They're not at full strength. But people care too much about the aesthetics and the score you got out of there with a win, and you showed you can win in another way. I mean, they have been winning in a variety of ways. They've been blowing teams out. They've been sacking the quarterback. They've been putting up big points in the second quarter and then kind of riding away. They needed to get into a fist fight, and they showed if they got to get into a fist fight, they can put their dukes up and start swinging at you too. Aesthetically pleasing? No. Impressive over a 17-week schedule where one week you're just not going to have it? I think I'd, I'd give it about a seven. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I, I was looking at the spot, and I was really teetering whether to pick Arizona. Ultimately, I picked the Eagles because I thought they would out-talent uh, the Cardinals, and ultimately they did. Although, you know, if Matt Prater's there, it's probably going to overtime, and who knows what happens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you take advantage of the spot. And the spot as a whole was a bad one for the Eagles. That's why I was thinking about Arizona, because as you mentioned, you have Dallas the next week, and obviously there's a human nature aspect, big NFC East game. The Cowboys are playing well, shockingly, uh, with Cooper Rush, a quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was. And I think winning is a skill in this league. You have to learn to win. And I think what you say about They've been able to win different ways. And you mentioned Detroit, they had to, you know, off schedule offense, Jalen Hurts, Minnesota passing game. Um, you know, the running game has been in there where they just go for 200 yards against Jacksonville. Now you see them win this game. They do a better job, whether it's just doing a better job in the personnel department and picking the better backup kicker. Well, hey, listen, so John, John and Jody, how many teams are going to win a football game? We see teams that can't handle their starting offensive line. How many teams are going to win a football game when three-fifths of their line miss part of the game? I mean, generally yeah. when that happens, it's a disaster for these teams. The Eagles went without Kelsey, Dickerson, and Mylotta for a sizable part of that game and still were able to just run that game out. Now, when the game, late in the game, when they, when they ran the game, I think it was like a 17-play drive – it's kind of got lost in the sauce because the Phillies yeah, are well, not, not for me. That thing, that was <laughs> but almost, who wins? Yeah. How many teams win a football game 
with their third left tackle, their second left guard, and their rookie center playing a lot of snaps. Yeah, yeah, well, 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 not Kelsey. Kelsey missed three Kelsey snaps. Was, Kelsey was back but, in within a couple of plays. Yeah. And when they had that very impressive take this 17-yard uh, play, we're running it right down your throat and there's nothing you can do about it, Dickinson was back in the game. No, so no, no. I said, no. When push came to shove, they had their guys late in the game, and I think you saw them lean on those guys for that 17-play drive. You got those guys back, and they said, look, try to stop this, and they couldn't, and they got the 17-play drive and really ran that game out. Correct. Yeah, it's still impressive because Opeta paid, uh, played far more than Dickerson. Driscoll's out there. Uh, yeah, Kelsey's amazing. He, you, know, you think he's done for the year and he's out for three snaps. That's the second time I've seen it. He did the same thing in Detroit a couple of years ago. Was it? I think it was Detroit. Missed a snap. You think he's out for the season. He's back in after halftime. But, um, yeah, that offensive line is tremendous. And that's the second time. They did the same thing in Detroit. Everybody was hand-wringing, four-minute offense. They run out the clock. Everybody in the building knew what was coming. Detroit couldn't stop it. Same thing here. They weren't able to pin. It wasn't quite as – in some ways it was because it was almost eight minutes, 17 plays, three timeouts, even though they were helped by an injury. Um, but they couldn't push it in. It still still – that was so impressive to me to be able to do that, to run the football – with um, backup offensive linemen in this league, as you mentioned, it's just not done. And the Eagles can run the football against anyone. And I think, I don't know who to give more credit to, so I'll ask you, Mike. Is that the offensive line or is that Jalen Hurts? Because people are so freaked out by Jalen Hurts keeping the football, the backside especially, that they just open up space for the other runners. Well, it could be a handshake. It could be a combination is that because of his ability to do that, it, it has teams on such high alert and they're so good up front that they can pick and choose how they want to run the ball against you. I mean, they can RPO you to death and have Jalen Hurts be the guy. But I think what makes him, you know, so dangerous is he knows when to pick his spots. He's not just recklessly running because he does have the ability to throw the ball and he trusts his offensive line. A lot of these teams, they don't trust their offensive line. They can't get it done up front. So the quarterback has to do, you know, he'll try to do too much and he runs too much. I don't think Jalen Hurts has any problem handing the ball off to Miles Sanders because he knows that push is coming from those five guys up front, and we're getting that two, three, four. And people, you know, have been talking a lot about getting that bigger back in here. I think it's becoming evident that the Eagles are just saying, no, our bigger back is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the best. He is the best short yardage back in football. Yeah. He best. So um, I think Hurts gets a lot of credit, but the offensive line is right there with him because Hurts has the trust in him. So it's almost by proxy. I trust you. You are leading the path for all of us. So the offensive line, not sexy to talk about, but right now, I mean, the difference between them and some of these other teams is clearly they are way better up front than the reason why Minnesota's and those teams, we can't take serious is they can't block when push comes to shove. They can't block and the Eagles can 
That's the difference. Minnesota's four and one. They're beating up on everybody. They look like they didn't belong on the same field. They're not not beating up on people. They're winning. Well, I'm talking about if you're watching the records and saying, well, they're four and one. They are, but the problem is they're they're not looking as impressive because they can't block. All right. uh, Since we all agree the 17 play drive to basically put the game away against the Cardinals this week was very impressive. That was the Eagles imposing their will on the opposition. Dallas comes to town this week. They've got one of the better defenses. They're coming off a week where they kind of did to Matthew Stafford what the Eagles did to Carson Wentz. No chance, no shot. You're going down. Five sacks. They're second in the NFL in sacks at 20 as a unit. Is this a running week for the Eagles? Do they once again say... We're going to run the ball down your throats. Michael Parsons, I mean, make a nice tackle on Miles Sanders four yards down the field. Okay, fine. We'll give you credit for it, but we keep moving the sticks. Is that going to be the Eagles game plan? Heavy run against the Cowboys come Sunday night. I think 100%, Jody. Uh, this team, Dallas, gets a lot of sacks. They get a lot of pressure. They do not stop the run very well. They're small. And this is the kind of game where yeah. you take advantage of Parsons. You run right at them. Uh, the Eagles offensive line, I don't know what my lot of status is, but um, you know he's the kind of guy you get him matched up. You run right at Parsons and make them stop you. And then, you know, they're, I think they're vulnerable. Uh, Diggs is a great player, but he gives up a lot of big plays. So a lot of play action, shots down the seam. This could be a Quez Watkins type of game where he just – you know, you lose track of him. He flies down the seam and gets a big catch. But, yeah, run the game ball and then take your shots down the field as opposed to more of the underneath stuff that you've been seeing that gives Dallas a shot to get to the quarterback. So, uh, yeah, Jody, I think the run game this week is going to be fun. Sunday night watching the just a slosh of runs. I don't know what the weather's supposed to be. Like. I'm not implying it's supposed to rain, but it might look like that rain game with yeah. 50 runs. I'm with you. I would run it right at Micah Parsons. I'm surprised teams haven't tried to run it. Hassan Reddick. Nobody could run. They can't block. I know. They can't block. You're right. Um, It's Wednesday, guys. I feel like I do this every week. Another one. Another. Another player of the week. Any guesses? Got to be Cameron Dicker, the kicker. It is Cameron Dicker, which is kind of weak. Come on. He made a 20, what was it, 23-yard field goal to win it? I mean, come on. Uh, Jimmy well, Kemp. Well, Jody, you asked me last week. No, about the no other special teams player came up big. I know. That's why I, I don't know. I got to look at the whole league. But that's Jody asked me last yeah. week about winning the game with Dicker the kicker. Yeah, he did win the game technically. He did. So. He is the special teams player of the week. All right, so Five let me ask both of you guys a question. Mike, If you, uh, this is probably more of a Johnny question than you, uh, if you'll allow me this. If Jake Elliott's good to go, Dicker the kicker, retain his practice squad spot? We know he won't be active because uh, Jake will, but usually these guys, you're in, you're out. They, they, they're they on the practice squad basically like a, rest, uh, a pit stop on the uh, highway, a rest stop. Uh, and then they're out the door thereafter. Will getting uh, special teams player of the week honors merit him a practice squad spot for at least one week? Mike, I, would say, I, I, I would actually, think I think it, it does. I, I think here's the thing with Dicker. He can also punt. So you have the basic, you have, you have the two backups in one. Now, I think ultimately it, it will be, do they need to spot down the road? Maybe they have an injury at a certain position where they might need to spot. But I do think it saves them for a couple of weeks. 
that they'll I keep would. him around. I think you got to reward a, the guy. As a backup, uh, not only as a backup kicker, but also as a backup punter, even though Aaron Sipos may, might have had his best game had a good ever game, yeah. um, against Arizona, that consistency's not there yet. So, How many we'll teams say, have a kicker on their practice squad? No, uh, 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 usually because of injury, somebody's dealing with somebody. And, yeah. and, and then you're right, they usually, or if they have a bad kicker and they don't trust them. I feel like um, so many kickers have been hurt this year. And nobody yeah. picked oh, they this have. kid up. Well, and nobody, nobody picked this kid. I mean, I know he was in a camp and then he got to Baltimore, but you said he was there as a punter, not a kicker. So many teams have had kicking issues and nobody had him on the Rolodex. Well, the Rams signed him as an undrafted guy and he was out there for most of camp. And, and Matt Gay's a pretty good kicker as well. So, you know, it's not like he lost to a terrible kicker as a rookie. Uh, so people knew about him, but I give the where I give the Eagles credit. Usually, when you're in that situation, and the Cardinals were in the exact same situation, the Cardinals have a very good kicker, one of the best uh, long range kickers in NFL history, to be honest. Um, and he got hurt, and they want the veteran routes, and the proven route. And I say that laughingly, as Jody knows, because he watched Amendola kick for the Jets. And then it was a disaster in Kansas City this year when Butker got hurt. And they went with Amendola because he's got uh, uh, experience kicking in games. And the Eagles are like, we like this kid. Let's give this kid a chance. And they were right. And the Cardinals were wrong. Um, now, has it been confirmed? Was Did Milton Williams – I got people texting me all week no, that Milton Williams no. blocked that ball. but I, I don't didn't. think he did. Um, yeah, we're going to get in the locker room today. Milton's certainly going to be asked, and I've already told him he should say yes either way. But because uh, he could have won, I want the truth, Milton. Don't be lying. Don't let him call and tell us the truth. Either you he tipped it or you didn't. He would have won special teams player of the week if he admits Could that. Have. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The coach said no. He didn't think he 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 hit it watching the film, but the players were off. Um, Michael Clay talked yesterday. He talked more of about the push um, in the in the field goal block as a whole, the unit as a whole. So by the way he phrased it, it was kind of like, no, he didn't get it. But he was close. Well, and- I don't know, John, if you saw, if you guys discussed this, but the Fox, were they on Fox? The Fox leading up to his kick, you know how they always record the kicker making kicks in pregame to show his distance. Every kick went off to the right, every yeah. single one. Yeah. And then sure enough, boom, it was almost the same trajectory of every kick that he had kicked in pregame. Yeah. Well, eerie. I joked, yeah, I think it landed in New Mexico because as soon as he hit that thing, it was like, ugh, oof, it was. Here's, here's what I would say to Milton Williams. Tell him, even though he didn't touch it, he gets credit for it because if the ball had gone straight, he definitely would have smacked it. But it was taking such a right-hand turn, the shankopotamus that it was, that's the only reason that Milton missed it. Yeah. But either way, you're right. They probably would have had the special teams player of the week. So five out of five. Can they go 17-0 with 17 players of the week, Mike Gill? The way this season's going right now. Although I'll tell you what, um, there it's almost been a different guy every week too. That's the thing, and that tells you about this team. Forget the who's winning these awards; they're frivolous. But the fact that it's something different means somebody else is standing out, and that's another sign 
of a good balanced team. You know, who's it going to be next week? One week it's Hurts. One week it's eight. You know, they're, they're just giving you uh, different guys and there's different candidates. And I feel like this team is still kind of feeling itself out, right? I mean, especially John Gannon on defense. I saw a lot of people being critical of him all week long. They gave up 17 points. They gave up 17 stinking points. What do people expect in the modern NFL? It's just They want sacks. They want sacks and blitzes. They could give up three points, but if you didn't sack and blitz, he played too soft. I don't like the way he called his coverage. They gave up 17 points. I'm thrilled. They didn't tackle well. You know, when they don't play defense – they didn't play defense as well as people think they should. They didn't tackle well in Detroit. They didn't play well. They didn't tackle well in Arizona. It wasn't as bad as Detroit. But that's – when they don't play well, they don't tackle well. That's been the – Well, and the- how much, John – you had Murray, the threat of Murray, which was by far the biggest threat of a running quarterback. How much did that kind of change – the way they kind of sat little soft because of having someone having to kind of watch oh, yeah. him. Well, you you definitely don't want to play uh, man coverage against a quarterback like that. That's why so few teams do it against the Eagles. The same thing. I mean, if if you're playing man coverage and you have your back to Jalen Hurts, just think about that. You're going to run right up your back. Same yeah. thing with Kyler Murray. You right, almost so have to classic, play zone. This is your classic. Let them catch the ball underneath. Yeah. and make tackles. If you don't tackle, it's going to look bad. Yeah. And, you know, people blitz uh, for different reasons when you have uh, Arizona. And, by the way, the Eagles blitzed, uh, and I get that the Eagles blitzed a lot because they went um, to the sort of theory that teams do against other mobile quarterbacks. You blitz to keep them in the pocket, but you want a very disciplined approach and i think that's that's the key to it and i i think damo our buddy paul damo which what, what i'm trying to look it up yeah eagle splits in a season high 34.9 percent of the cardinals pass mm-hmm. plays but they were blitzing for a different reason i think people think you know there are run blitzes there when you're blitzing people like jalen hurts lamar jackson kyler murray you're doing it for a different reason than when you're blitzing Kirk Cousins. They had all those zero blitzes that turned into interceptions. Um, you're you're doing it for a different reason. I think people, a lot of people, don't understand that. Yep, I, I and I'm surprised to hear that number. Uh, what was it? Thirty four percent of the plays. I I, I was surprised. Thirty four point nine. Yeah, I'm seeing them. They did a lot of like zero up the middle blitzes, inside blitzes. People think of blitz, they think of stuff coming off the outside, just going after the quarterback. But you see the blitzes up the middle. They're filling those gaps, the one hole, two, three, trying to keep the stuff from up the middle happening and flushing stuff to the outside where they had some containment. Um, I thought Vance Joseph, by the way, called a pretty good game. They blitz a lot. They blitz like forty oh, percent of the lot. time, yeah. and I thought he picked his spots really well. And I think Sirianni alluded to it. You know, they called a lot of screens to try to combat the blitz, but they disguised their blitz and picked their spots a lot better than I think the Eagles were thinking. And I think that kind of – that first drive was epic. They were outstanding on the first drive. But I thought Arizona said, okay, we can't be so aggressive. They scaled back a little bit, and I thought the chess match was on after that. And I thought Vance Joseph did a pretty good job uh, of picking his spots. Mike, a story that's gotten some pretty good legs to it, uh, media and fans, 
is what the heck were they doing with A.J. Brown? He doesn't start the game. They start in 13 personnel. He's standing there on the sidelines. Then they put him in, and they almost throw it to him exclusively for an entire set of down. And then he just kind of disappears into the ether. And I get it. He's your $100 million man. He's been uh, dominant for the first four weeks of the season. But the, the opposition does get a say in how much they're going to allow your star player. They want to take him out of the game. They can take him out of the game. That's going to leave other people wide open. The Eagles did settle for a lot of wide receiver screens and bubble screens and the like. Uh, do you make as big a deal as some people make out of how, how do you get A.J. Brown that little involved in any game that he's in an Eagle uniform? Well, I, you know, on Friday on my show, I do game balls, and my game ball was for Goddard. I thought Goddard would be the guy. Uh, I thought their defense, their linebackers are smallish. They're not that good in coverage. And, you know, I thought Goddard was just due for the big game this week. You saw, by the way, Devonta Smith had, what, 10 targets uh, kind of quietly almost like he, it seemed like they picked their spots. AJ Brown had those three catches and then kind of went away. But I think the game plan was probably more set up for the guy that I thought was Goddard. I thought Goddard would be the guy. I didn't think it was going to be all those screens and everything, but going back to the first week, we talked about the same thing. How do we get anybody involved? I know Brown is the big guy because of the paycheck, but that Goddard is a beast, man. He's a monster. And if the Eagles yeah. want to plan to get him the ball, I got no problem with that. Yeah, the Eagles said uh, behind the scenes that that was going to be the plan. Uh, Dallas, it was going to be a big Dallas Goddard game, and it worked out that way. And the scripted stuff, the, the screens drove me nuts. They drove everybody nuts. But the scripted screens worked. The blitz screens, they got too redundant. Um, and Jalen Hurts probably pulled that trigger a little bit too often. But, it, you know, Shane Steichen spoke yesterday, and he got asked that question, Jody. And Mike, um, uh, you know, why no A.J. Brown? Why so little A.J. Brown? And he said, oh, that's just the week and that's just the way. No reason. Well, there's a reason, but for uh, they, they don't want to let us in on the reason that, and maybe they will later off the record, but there's a reason you do things. So for whatever reason, they thought that Devontae Smith was probably better equipped to handle this boatload of, blitz screens than A.J. Brown. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, but it's week to week and they have good players. That's, you know, that's part of the the out-talenting teams. You know, maybe you can make a mistake game planning, but you're just going to out-talent teams because you have better players. And I think that's kind of what happened in, in Arizona. Yeah, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think back when – because Brown had that one drive where he seemed to be a big part of it. But it's the was, first drive. As you say, it was drive, the first man. drive of the game when they seemed like they – and then after that, I think Arizona made some more adjustments. I don't know what the adjustments were to Brown. I, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the, the all-22 <laughs> to see if they did anything different and said, hey, you're not throwing him the ball. But, again, I have no problem. That's the thing, with, as you just said. Are you sad because Devontae Smith got 10? 10, 10 this guy was a first-round pick who many people thought was the best receiver in that draft class. He just gets overshadowed, and some of it's monetary, right? I mean, yeah. Brown is more physical. Yes, he's probably a more physical, complete receiver than Smith, but Smith is is, is not like some secondary other guy. You know, they, they just have so many ways, and that goes back to the conversation at the beginning of this, which is, they have so many different ways, and they had another way to get you on Sunday. 
even though it seems like Jalen Hurts has been the quarterback of the Eagles for a pretty good long period of time now, he really hasn't. Four games at the end of uh, 2020, uh, full season last year, and now five straight wins this year. Do the math. It, it, it's not a ton just yet. He's played the Dallas Cowboys twice. He's 0 for 2. He hasn't been really good in either of those two games. And he got the pass last year because they didn't uh, need the last game. So they sent the JV out there against the Cowboys. But he's he's gotten his tail kicked twice by the Cowboys. Every game is important to the Eagles this year and still very important to Jalen Hurts in his evaluation and quest for a 40 plus million dollar per year contract, which could be coming his way. How much does this game mean this week? Because it's the Dallas Cowboys, the Jalen Hurts. Oh, I think it means a lot, guys, because not only for Hurts, for the, for the season. I mean, Dallas is showing their defense is legit. They're going to be in this mix. And you got to start thinking about home field, right? I mean, you got to start thinking about that. This would be one of the teams that will be in the mix, you would imagine, for that. So you got to get this, especially the fact that it's at home. You know, you got to go down there later on in the season, and that game could be for a lot. But if they beat you in this game and they say they're within a game apart, that game down there is a big heavy favorite for them. So this is a big game. If you're thinking Super Bowl, right? And I think everybody at this point is thinking Super Bowl. You've got to have this game. You've got to have home field advantage. And it's kind of, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but the Phillies are playing. Everybody's all on that train. I remember when the Phillies were really good in 08, 9, 10, and there was a week where the Eagles played the Giants and the Cowboys in the same week, and the Phillies were in the playoffs. And the Giant-Cowboys stuff got swept under the rug a little bit because of the Phillies. I don't know if that's happening right now, but is that a good thing that there's not so much attention on this Dallas week as there generally would be? And keep in mind, they have a bye after this. So you throw the, the kitchen sink at, at them at this game yeah. because if you're thinking Super Bowl, you got to have the number one seed you got to get that home field advantage and this game is paramount to get there and you know the eagles don't want to hear this but coming up you mentioned uh it's this game it's the bye then you have a bad steelers team a bad houston team a bad washington team what has been a bad indianapolis team boy man if, if they get this one um they, they, you know, we could start talking about Bob Groats coin 10 and 0, I think. Um, all right, but but be careful because they do have that they don't stink New York Giants squad two more times this year. Yeah, McMullen's ready, he's ready to, to roll back. Is the Giants yeah. stinks, man? I gotta roll that back. I rolled it back. Well, I, I did say the is Giants it stink. that or is it again? Is there what challenges are in the NFC at this point? Or the Eagles and the Giants and the Giants and the Eagles. You can focus in on those two because you can say the same thing. If you want to say, well, who have the Giants beaten? Well, you can say the same thing about the Eagles. You can They've say the same thing about NFC everybody. And the NFC isn't all that great. Yeah. You can say the same thing about everybody. I said, literally, the only teams that any fan gives you credit for beating is Kansas City and Buffalo. If you beat one of them, it's, oh, you beat somebody. But other than that, you could beat any team in this league and no one's impressed. And, no. and the two teams that have beaten those two teams, are you impressed with the Colts? No. no and did you watch? Colts beat Kansas City. Are you right impressed now. with the Dolphins? Nobody. And Kansas is. City. Dolphins beat Buffalo. Realistically, Kansas City at home the other night really should have we lost struggled. that game to the Raiders. Yeah. 
They yeah, they shut up. Yeah, they shut up. Um, you know, and that's the thing. I I was pushing back against Seth on the on our post game show, and I'm like, you know, this team's five and zero. Oh. There's one undefeated team in the NFL. Uh, there is something to finding a way to win these games. It, it, it is not the, the coaches talk about it all the time. Part of it's cliche, but it's not easy to win in the NFL. Now I'm not a big fan of these stats, but the Eagles started two and five uh, last season. Um, and, and Jalen hurts, you know, went on that run uh, and all of a sudden they're five and Oh, we're almost at a calendar year of a season where Jalen Hurts is whatever, five and two, 10 and two as a starter over his last 12. Um, that's pretty good. I, I, you know, he's 24 years old. He's not turning the football over. I mentioned that earlier, Mike. I didn't see this coming. Is it fair to say that uh, this? this might be turning into something special. Well, in a league guys, it is set up for parody and to get knocked off here and there. The Eagles are finding ways to not be a part of the pack that is finding ways to lose. They are finding ways to win those games. When the Packers, everybody likes them. They find a way to lose to the giants. You mentioned Kansas city. They found a way to lose to a poor Colts team. Teams are finding ways to lose. The Eagles keep finding ways to win. And one of the reasons why they're finding a way to win, John, is because of the guy either under center or in shotgun. I guess you can't say under usually, center. That yeah, much usually in shotgun. But, yeah. yeah um, well, quarterback sneaks. Don't forget yeah, those because he's, he's, he's the best sneaking, quarterback he's sneaker. It directly from Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's more than – you know, Jalen Hurts is one of those guys that you're beginning to see that when he's your quarterback, he just so competitive and has such an aura about him around that team that you won't have one of those teams that just goes through one of those miserable seasons. He feels like the kind of guy that just simply won't allow you. But I think this goes back to uh, Ron Rivera the other day talks about What's the problem? Well, the quarterback, he's not blasting Wentz as much as the instability of the position that they have had at that organization. But here's the problem and the difference. Everybody, I'm sure people watching here and maybe some people, uh, all many people, they all wanted Howie Roseman out. He doesn't know what he's doing. He needs to go. <laughs> he's the one constant, and I'm not giving him yeah. all the credit, but my point is the Eagles organization and Dallas to some point, they have stability. Washington is a disaster because they have no stability. They have no plan. If something happens, they just they jump off the train and try to start it all up. You can't keep doing that. And I think you're seeing the Giants now. They're finally feeling like we have a stable situation here. The Eagles' stability is part of all of the success, and it hurts that they said, hey, let's go with this guy. Let's make him the guy. It's, it's a lot of the organization, I think, anyway. The stability that this organization has had has allowed them to be uh, have this season right now. All right, MG, I'm not going to ask you to preempt yourself, but I do want some insight here. So if you feel the need to give me three or four names that would fall under your game ball category on Friday, who are the key guys for the Eagles this week, Sunday night, against the Cowboys? They have to play well. 
if the Eagles are going to extend and stay undefeated, go to 6-0? and Well, like back in the day, um, I heard Ron Rivera in an interview yesterday. He was on a podcast, and he said one of the names that they thought about for the commanders was the hogs, right? Can we give the ball to the, to the Eagles offensive line? Is that a team uh, ball right there? The whole offensive line. Yeah, that's that right. ball? They, they do it all the time when they run for 200, yeah. the offensive line, every single member gets a, yeah. it's a game. That back. would be Jody. That would be my off. I do offense and defense. I'll give one out on both sides who I think will be there. The offensive line to me has to be the key in this game. You've got to neutralize their front. That's where they're the best. That's where the Eagles are the best. When you go, you know, mano and mano with the best units, your unit has to beat their best unit. For the Eagles to win, the offensive line has to be the victor. So you can, by proxy, I guess, say Miles Sanders, but I'm going to go offensive line because they never get the NFC anythings of the week. But they should be the yeah. game ball this week. And on the defensive side of the ball, you know, they are. we don't know who's going to play quarterback for them. Right, we have no idea, but I think Pollard is the guy that could be the key or the tricky guy in this game. Um, they've been running the ball. That's what I like about not having Dak is that I think they've done a really good job of. And my thought is, when they get Dak back, are they going to stick with this game plan of just kind of giving it to Elliott and, and Pollard? But I think Pollard is the kind of guy who gives the Eagles some issues. Uh, so T.J. Edwards would be a guy for me on the game ball side uh, because. Pollard comes out of the backfield. You got Elliott coming up the middle. So the linebacking spot, TJ Edwards would be the guy, the key on the defensive side. All right. At Mike Gill's show, follow him on Twitter, uh, 97.3 ESPN South Jersey. Drive time two to six every day. I'll be on with Mike later uh, today. Um, you, you mentioned uh, that Dallas offense. You know, a couple years ago, we were talking about how many weapons they had. Um, now we're talking about Tony Pollard. He's a good player, but that's not Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and on and on and on, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, what they once were, is this a game, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I never thought we'd be in this position with the Eagles. Is this a game where the Eagles should try to push it offensively and outscore this team? Because this is not an explosive team. In other words, I think the Eagles could out-explosive this team, and I'm shocked that I'm saying that. But I don't think they can keep up with Philadelphia in a in a in a Paul Westhead, you know, run up and down the the the, the floor type of game. Yeah, it's not going to be Week One, Detroit, thirty-eight, thirty-five, back and forth they go. No, I don't think Rush has that in him. Right, ten completions. About 100 no, yards last week. One no. thing he hasn't done is turn the ball over. They don't ask him to do much. But, you know, you got to put it in a position to make him start to do stuff. And uh, do I think it's going to be a shootout type of game? No, I, I don't think that the Cowboys can keep up. But with no, it. that's my point. So if the Eagles go, you know, deep to A.J. Brown, 7 nothing, and they get and they keep pressing, if they get up 14 nothing, this game's over, right? Yo, let's just say I, the problem is, I don't know that Philadelphia scores more than 24 either. I think that Dallas defense is pretty darn good. Yeah, that's fair. And you got to block. You got to block if, 11. If we're talking about, and I know, I know you guys are probably short, but if we're talking about what they have to do, running the football doesn't amount a lot of times to a lot of points if right. the clock's running. Although some of their biggest scoring outputs, Detroit in the snow, they scored 50. They ran the ball all over that team. They scored, they, they ran the ball 50 times two weeks ago and scored. Uh, a bunch of points. So, but no, I, I think it's a low scoring game. That defense is legit, but uh, 
It should be fun Sunday night. I hope right. the Phillies game isn't at 6 o'clock because I'll be watching the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning at the same time, and that will be too confusing. Right. And I was going to ask, where are you going to be Sunday night? The right behind you there, man. I got over the to Ocean. You're going up to Lincoln Financial Field. Where are you going to be watching the game on I got Sunday two night? TVs right there. I got Phillies and Eagles. I got the Space Heater right there ready to go. Right, he's out on the porch with the hoodie on. Mike Gill, always a pleasure. Thanks, bud. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Thanks, porch Mike. Bash down at your 97.3 ESPN. That's Mike Gill. All right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac, coming back. Uh, Gary Myers, uh, NFL author, longtime columnist, uh, former Dallas guy many moons ago, uh, but GM, one of the best writers in the country, will be on with us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown's five-day used car super sale. Jeff puts an end to high prices now. Five days of the best car, truck, and SUV deals ever. Over 1,000 vehicles, every make and model. Stop overpaying. See Jeff today and get a quality car, truck, or SUV now. The five-day used car super sale. Experience how easy it is to deal at Jeff's. Nobody treats you better. Nobody gives you more. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. GoJeffAuto.com. Score and save this football season on your car insurance. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards.
difference. Before the next game, save up to 40% on your auto insurance policy. That's right, 40% savings. Call an Audible this season and contact the DelVal Insurance Group. They're an advocate for you, not an insurance company. That means they'll get you the right coverage and save you up to 40%. Call managing partners Fran or Jim of DelVal Insurance, 215-354-0122, or score and save at dvigi.com, dvigi.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Over the last 17 years, we've built a reputation of growing award-winning teams across the country. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Welcome back, guys. John McMullen and Jody McDonald on an undefeated Wednesday. It's going to be a walkthrough Wednesday, too, when McMullen gets over there. But uh, you should get a chance to hear something from the coach after the walkthrough Wednesday today. And we'll see if we get an update on any of the injured Eagles, uh, whether they will or won't be back. Chances are the coach will keep that under wraps because he loves those competitive advantages. We're going to get an estimated injury report today jody because of the walkthrough and yeah the coach isn't going to talk about it before uh, i don't get it but yeah you know, big week uh you want to get jordan Mylotta back hopefully you know he was pushing to play in arizona so maybe it's better um than people realize that he could be back um abonte maddox has now missed two games so uh he's probably going to be close to getting back in this game that'll be big for the defense although josiah scott played pretty well in Arizona. He did uh, I was much better than he played that. the week before yeah. much better. Uh, yeah. So it was nice to see him up his game, but you want Avante Maddox out there and then Jason Kelsey, um, you know, he's going to play. How healthy is he going to be? Um, Isaac Samala played through his ankle injury last week, uh, played the entire game. He's banged up. Uh, Landon Dickerson's banged up. So, you know, everybody, Four out of five of the offensive linemen are banged up, the the typical starters. And Lane Johnson's, you know, has had three ankle surgeries, so he's always, um, you know, at his age, and you always got to be concerned. So I think that's what the walkthrough is about. They want to get this offensive line as healthy as possible for this game. All right, uh, John, you were singing the praises, rightfully so, of uh, Jalen Hurts earlier and the fact that uh, he just hasn't thrown interceptions with the amount that he handles the football, which includes running plays, including the quarterback sneaks that get the Eagles into the end zone. Pretty damn important. He just doesn't give the football up. His numbers are what his numbers are. Um, 
How many players do you think right now in the NFL are ahead of Jalen Hurts in MVP voting? As per uh, as per a major wagering site that put odds on the MVP. You know, oh, well, I see. You know, the way I think he's third or fourth in the in the wagering. Most of the wagering, I could be wrong, but I think he's in that range. But if you want my personal opinion, there are more. I think probably ahead of him in the in the real world for this reason. And by the way, I don't agree with this, but I think. Because he doesn't throw passing touchdowns. I, you know, when when you talk about MVP and you talk about even offensive player of the year in the actual NFL awards, they give it to guys who pile up numbers. And they're not going to look at the context of domination. Now, maybe if he goes 17 and 0, you know, maybe that changes the thing. But in 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 general principle. They're going to give it to somebody with explosive numbers, and he doesn't throw enough passing touchdowns. That, that 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 which is stupid. I'll be the first to say it, but it is what it is. Here's where I think he can make up for the lack of passing touchdowns. If he sets the record for most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in the history yeah, of maybe, National Football League, which is that uh, there's a yin and a yang to it. The Ying being, yeah, they used to actually have running quarterbacks way back when, before the McMullen and McDonald time, which, yes, wasn't the Ice Age, even though we both been around for a long time. You, you got to go way the hell back to when the quarterback used to be the, the, the number one runner of the football. But that was when they were playing 12 games a season. Now they're playing 17. So it does kind of balance itself out. He's got a chance to have more rushing touchdowns than any quarterback in the history of the National Football League. He does that, the lack of touchdown passes will go by the board. Maybe, and I hope so, to be honest, because I, I hope people take uh, the context into it, the context of the way he's playing. Um, and we'll see. You know, I always say, you mentioned how long we've been around, and I say this all the time, and I tell the story. I You know, I've been covering this league for a long time, and I've never once – played fantasy football in my life oh, not have. once and the reason why is because back in the days of Troy Aikman I was so turned off by people telling me Troy Aikman couldn't play because he didn't put up these big numbers from a passing perspective and I said this is stupid I want nothing to do with it um, and I've never played it from that point forward um, I, I say the same thing about Jalen Hurts when people bring that up to me he doesn't throw passing. I don't care. It's look at what he's doing. Look at this impact on the game. Um, same type of thing. Um, uh, and and I hope you're right. I hope people have gotten more educated uh to the game. I think they are by and large. I think fans are more educated than ever. Um, doesn't matter how you get it in the end zone if you get it in the end zone. Right now, uh, and this was at VegasInsider.com, which is a website that I use. Uh, they, they, they really do cover everything, so they're just a, a really uh, effective resource. Uh, three guys in the National Football League that have shorter odds than Jalen Hurts for MVP uh, the, on VegasInsider.com. Uh, Lamar Jackson, five and a half to one. And oh, by the way, if you ask me right now, 
who's more of an MVP, Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts? I would say Jalen Hurts, even though his odds are slightly higher. Uh, that Mahomes guy coming off his four touchdown uh, performance on Monday night, which, by the way, I don't think we touched on this yesterday. How bad are the Las Vegas Raiders? How dumb are the Las Vegas? How- no, they're not bad. They're dumb. No, they're from bad. Their head coach. From they're, they're, well, they're, I mean, what, what I'm wise. saying they're bad. Being poorly coached is a big part yeah. of that. Yeah. Jason Kelsey catches four touchdown passes. That the would best be something. Receiving tight end we've yeah, seen in forever. Right. Every single one of them is inside the red zone. It isn't like he shook loose and and left the guy in the dust or whatever. How do you not cover Jason Kelsey inside the 10 yard line? And Mahomes just kept throwing it to him. And he it wasn't like he made these great thread the needle over the shoulder catches. He's friggin' wide open. How do the Raiders let something like that happen? Poorly coached. They're terrible. Anyway, um, Mahomes is five to one, and uh, Josh Allen is your favorite at two to one. So Allen two, Mahomes five, Lamar five and a half, Jalen Hurts six, and then comes a pretty big drop off. Down to Justin Herbert at 12 to 1. I'll give you one that uh, for the two or three Cowboy listeners, because we got the stream here. Appreciate all the guys that are on, Nathan and Dominique and uh, Daz, and uh, appreciate all our streamers. Is a Cowboy fan who sneaks in there every once in a while, ticks everybody off. For the Cowboy guy, how about Micah Parsons at 200 to 1? 200! If you want Josh Allen, you get two to one on your money. You put up 100, you get up, you get 200. 200 to one on Micah Parsons. He's the MVP of the Dallas Cowboys. Sorry, oh, you yeah. Cooper Rush fans who, oh, he's 4 0. He's 4 0 because of Micah Parsons. That's why Cooper Rush is 4 0. Take 200 to one on uh, Micah Parsons as MVP, Johnny Mac. Well, if you want to waste your money, go ahead. I mean, it's not an insult to Micah Parsons. It's just it is wasting it. your money on his MVP. Well, no, that's I'm, absolutely because, an insult to Micah Parsons. No, it's not because it. It. it I mean, I think the last uh, defensive player to win NFL MVP was Alan Page. So, um, you know, they don't give it to defensive players. So that's all I'm saying. Um, they don't, they don't give it to defensive players. Um, I'm, and, and I'm going to look to make sure I'm correct on that. Um, who the last defensive player to win NFL MVP was Alan Page, 1971. So that was a while ago. Yeah, it's all yeah. right. So it's been so, 50 years. Um, yeah. but if the Cowboys and I think, oh, by the way, I'm on record. I said this here yesterday. Um, and we'll say it on tomorrow's show and on Friday's show as well. I'm going to pick the Eagles. I, I think the Eagles are going to win. I think they're the better team. I, I take it back, Jody. Lawrence Taylor won it in 86. So I was okay. looking. I said if Lawrence didn't win it, um, nobody's winning it, but he did win it in 86. So I want to correct that. So it went 71 to 86 and now 86. Uh, 86. All right, so it hasn't been 50 years. It's only been 35 since yeah. a defensive player won yeah. the uh, MVP. I'm just saying, if the Cowboys, which I'm not suggesting this is happening because I'm on record. I think the Eagles are going to win this week. I think they're going to win by at least a touchdown. By Friday, I'll decide whether I want to go more like double digits or even two touchdowns. I really do think the Eagles are winning this week. But if they don't, if they lose, 
Well, if the okay Cowboys win Parsons. and Micah Parsons gets three sacks and the Cowboys pull into a tie with the Eagles at six and one and are tied for the best record in the National Football League, they'll have just taken down the only undefeated team. Oh, you know what that number is going to go from? From 200 to one to 50. Well, yeah. All right. So I, I, I just gave you the number. So we go 71 to 86. If anybody's going to win it, it's going to be uh, Micah Parsons. Now we've just gone through um, probably, I don't know, the greatest five, six year stretch a defensive player has had in a long time. Aaron Donald wasn't able to win one. Um if you got the money to waste, yeah, throw it out there. Throw it out there on Micah right. Parsons. If, if you're talking 200 to 1, you throw down five bucks, you yeah. win a thousand. That's yeah. if you got five, I, and, you, you, you might you want, spend five bucks on Powerball, is what you want mega millions. You want yeah. the 400 million. Maybe you, you, I'll, I'll tell you this right now there's a better chance that Micah Parsons winning defense MVP of the National Football well, League. Well, if anybody's going to any, from next door. Winning the Mega Millions drawing this week. If any, if anybody's going to win it, it's going to be Micah Parsons uh, from the defensive side of the football. Um, unfortunately, and this is for Eagles fans as well, this is a two-horse race. Um, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. You know, everything's barring injury, but... So you're dismissing Jalen, too. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Unless the Eagles go 17-0. <laughs> That might change things. And they might get to 10 and hey, so hey, who knows? How about your boy? Aaron Rodgers, 40 to 1. He's won back to back MVPs. Get his third in a row. You get 40 to 1 on well, Aaron Rodgers. I would say if you want value, I would go Rodgers before Parsons. Because okay, so high. wait a minute. You, you like uh Rodgers better than, than Micah? Well, as for NFL MVP, yeah. I mean, if I'm if he goes nuts. Uh, and and we all know he has the capability of, to do that. And it's an offensive award is what I'm trying to say. It's an offensive award. That's what it is. Unfortunately, and by the way, been... I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. It should be, but you know, JJ Watt, I think people forget he won three defensive player of the year awards in, in a row. I think people forget forget how dominant he was um uh uh i just mentioned aaron donald uh, we've seen some of the greatest defensive players ever in recent history um i just mentioned maybe the greatest defensive player ever lawrence taylor the last one uh to win it if, if lawrence taylor isn't it might be reggie white reggie never got it it's an offensive award Understood. That's what it is. But that's why you're getting 200 to one. Yeah. That that's where you're uh, building up that value because he is absolutely been the best defensive player in the league this year. And he's 200 to one to win the MVP. I just think there's some pretty good value in there. And if you don't play it, if you're me and you're looking at these future markets, like I do, you're always looking for value. The value will disappear if he has a big week this week. Because it's against the Eagles. They're the only undefeated team. If he is a major reason why, and maybe the number one reason why, the Cowboys win and get to, which, oh, by the way, let me repeat. I'm not predicting. I think the Eagles are winning this week. I'm just talking about a hypothetical here. If it happens, it'll go from 200 to 50. 
the, the biggest movement in the NBA. That's market. and by the way, fifty is still value. Yeah, fifty is still value, not nearly as much, but that that tells you he could have he could have three sacks, as you mentioned. Uh, the the Cowboys beat the only undefeated team, and he's only only going to fifty to one because it's an offensive award. That's 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 the problem. That's the problem. We shall uh, see. All right. Uh, we're hoping to get Gary Myers up here next. I just text with Gary, and he said he did get the link. So that's good. He should be ready to join us. Uh, all-time NFL writer and Hall of Fame selector. Gary Myers going to jump, jump aboard here with us on Birds 365. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Faces you know, the faces the you team know. Trust the team. The Delaware trust. Valley's leading the news Delaware program. Valley's leading Action news. Action news. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to ocean.
with John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. You got your Mega Mac Boys 365 guys. We have an esteemed guest joining us. Uh, one of the best football writers I've had the pleasure to read over the last oh, 40 years, which means I'm old and he's old. Uh, but he's also very good at what he does. NFL author Gary Myers joins us here on Birds 365. Mr. Myers, I haven't talked to you since the season started. How's your football year going? Pretty good. Good morning, uh, Jody and John. Um, boy, it's a good game Sunday night. Finally, we got one we can uh, all really look forward to. Yeah, well, you know, there's been some, you know, here in Philadelphia, obviously, people are very excited, Gary, uh, as the only unbeaten team left. What do, you, what do you think? We'll start there. What do you think of the Eagles? Do you think they're for real? Uh, the NFC certainly looks less obtrusive than the AFC side. Um, Green Bay seems to have taken a step back. Tampa Bay seems to have taken a step back. The Rams certainly have. That's been a big surprise to me. Is this team a legitimate contender? Well, I, I can say that at the beginning of the season, if you asked me to pick the last team standing as an undefeated team, I would not have picked the Eagles. Fair. Uh, so they, they are a surprise to me, and mainly because uh, I have to admit I did not believe in Jalen Hurts going into the season. I, I you know, obviously um, all the intangibles that you'd ever want in a quarterback, plus he's, you know, can really run the ball. I just didn't think he can throw it well enough to, you know, to lead a, a really productive offense. But, um, you know, with those two great wide receivers that he has, you know, especially A.J. Brown being such an accomplished guy in the NFL and so productive and, and Devontae Smith, you know, providing the speed and um, as a great as a great second option um, and they're running the ball. Uh, yeah, I think they're for real and their defense is playing really well. Um, who, who would have thought? I mean, we've made fun of the NFC East now for years. Yeah, we, they just has not have not been a really competitive division. But after five weeks, they have more victories than any other division in the NFL. And um, Cowboys have won four in a row with a backup quarterback. Um, the Giants are a huge surprise, just beating Green Bay in, in London. And uh, obviously, the Eagles at five and zero are you know, right at the top of the everybody's power rankings right now after the first month plus of the season. So I'm beginning to believe in them. 17-game season, it's a long way to go. Uh, we've seen teams off to slow starts, you know, really turn it on, and and teams off to 5-0 and starts fade. So I'll reserve judgment on, on you know, putting them in a the Super Bowl quite yet. But, uh, you know, certainly – people in Philadelphia could not have expected a better beginning to the season. That's very fair. Uh, there is only one undefeated team, but there are two undefeated quarterbacks and they're playing off against each other on Sunday night. Cooper rush is four and oh, and I've watched enough of the Cowboys games and or watch film thereafter. Cooper rush isn't wowing me, but he plays smart. A phrase I know Gary Myers has used and John McMullen's used and Jody McDonald's used a game manager that's what he is, and he's real good at it. He's 4-0. and If Dak Prescott is medically cleared, he's their quarterback, right? They're not sticking with the 4-0 and undefeated Cooper Rush. Are the Cowboys this week, Gary? <laughs> no. If, if, if Dak Prescott is healthy, I mean, he's a $40 million quarterback. You're not putting him on the bench uh, to keep a guy who you've cut. I, I forgot how many times they've cut Cooper Rush over the years. 
Yeah. Uh, he actually was in Giants camp. I, I think it might have been last year. I lose yeah, track. A couple there. weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he didn't make the team even with Jason Garrett here. So, I mean, he, he's played better than anybody could have anticipated. But um, when Dak is healthy um, and the way Rush has played has given the Cowboys the flexibility to, to wait until Prescott is 100%. But when, when Dak has reached that point, I know I heard some things that Jerry Jones said on the radio on Tuesday, you know, when, when Dak can spin it, he kept using the expression when he can spin it. You know, we used to say, you know, when he throws it okay without any pain, now it's, he's got to be able to spin it, you know. Yeah. Um, um, when, when he's reached that point where the coaches are satisfied that he's throwing the ball well, uh, he'll be starting. And that very well could be Sunday. I don't think they're going to, you know, tip their hand to the Eagles any earlier than they have to. You know, there'll be a little gamesmanship involved, I would imagine, that McCarthy's going to say during the week, Mike McCarthy will say during the week, well, we got to see him practice a few more times. And I think it'll become evident to the people watching practice in Dallas if they let the writers, you know, watch any more in the warm-up period, you know, based on who's taking the first-team snaps, you know, who will be starting on Sunday night. At this point, you know, with with, with all the positive reports coming out about Prescott's uh, recovery from the thumb thumb surgery, try saying that a bunch of times, um, that I I think he'll start uh, on Sunday night. Well, it, you're right, Gary, in the fact that obviously, you know, there's been this, I won't say large group of people, but some saying, um, you know, you got to start Cooper Rush. When Dak Prescott's ready, Dak Prescott's ready, and he's the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. But I'll ask it to you this way. Does the success of Cooper Rush and his ability to win games, his ability to not only keep this team's head above water, but keep them relevant. And as a four and one team, the second best team, second best record in the NFL. Um, does that allow the Cowboys to be more cautious with Dak Prescott? Cause Jerry was out there two weeks after saying, maybe he can be back. Maybe he can be mm-hmm. back because they were so desperate. Can they be more cautious because they're winning football games? You mean in terms of when they bring him back or how they yeah, play? Yeah, in terms of, of, of when they bring him back. In other words, you're talking about the spinning of the football. Before it was like, we got to get this guy back, Jerry. Yeah. He's on the radio saying, oh, you know, well, maybe this week. maybe." And all of a sudden, they keep winning football games. Yeah, John, I, I think that's, that's a good point. Um, but when he's ready, he's going to be ready. And they're going to play him. Um it's, it's going to be a pretty cut and dried situation that if they think he can throw the ball, he'll play. If they think that he doesn't have enough zip on it yet, then, then he won't play. I don't think the fact that Cooper Rush has played well for four games will necessarily impact the timeline now on on Prescott. Because from everything I hear, it, it sounds like he's ready. Um, he's given them... He, he's going to hand a baton back to him at four and one when I think most of us would have thought, you know, the best it could have been is two and three at this point without that. The, the change that I think we're going to see in Dallas is they're going to run the ball. They're running the ball so well right now. Uh, and, and I think that's opened some eyes on the coaching staff that they don't have to have Dak thrown it 40 times a game, especially early on before they got Gallup back, you know, uh, C.D. Lamb was the only one, you know, that you really 
we're concerned about um, as, as a defense. I, I think they've learned another way to win here. And I think that's one of the huge impacts of what's gone on with, with Rush uh, over the last month is that they've learned that they can win, you know, the old fashioned way and, and that's running the ball. And if Dak is just a little bit limited in how he can throw it, but they feel he's, you know, they can clear him to play. I think you'll see that trend continue that they're going to try to run it on the Eagles, you know, as good as the Eagles have been up front. Gary, I'm going to ask you to kind of lend a helping hand to change Stike and Eagle play caller this week. Uh, the Cowboys have two all pro defensive players. <laughs> Everyone knows them. Everybody respects them in uh, Michael Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. Would you attack them or would you try and game plan, plan around them? Sometimes with a front seven guy, best bet is to try and run right at him. Uh, sometimes with a player like Trayvon Diggs, who's going to make big plays. He's going to get intercepted, led the league in interceptions last year, but he also led the league in giving up 40-plus uh, yard plays. How do you handle the two Pro Bowl defensive studs of the Cowboys? Do everything to minimize them and keep the ball away from them or go right at them? Well, Jody, I, I think you need to put Demarcus yeah. Lawrence in there too. Okay. Um, he's been playing very well this year. I was at the uh, the Cowboys Giants Monday night game a few weeks ago, and their pass rush was boy, they were dynamic. And Lawrence just ate up uh, Evan Neal, uh, the Giants' rookie right tackle, who they really really like. And he'll go against Lane Johnson on Sunday night, so that's going to be a matchup, you know, to really keep an eye on. But yeah, I think Trayvon Diggs is one of those feast or famine guys that he can he can pick it off as he proved last year with 11 of them, but he can also be beat. So I wouldn't, mm -hmm. he's not Deion Sanders. He's not Darrell Revis where you cut the field in half and you just say, okay, well, I'm going to forget about that side of it and just throw the other side. He can be beat. I think he's given up a big bunch of big plays this year as well. I'm not sure what his interception total is, uh, but he's not nearly on the pace that he was last year. Um, Tough to keep up that pace. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That was the most interceptions in the league since Everson Walls had yeah. 11 in, in 1981, you know, 40 years. Uh, and nobody had as many as Diggs had last year. But I, I think I think you, you throw at him. I, I wouldn't run away from – not, not run away. I wouldn't run away from Park, Parsons. And I, I wouldn't um, hesitate to throw at Diggs. I mean, you take a chance because the guy has – you know, he's a former wide receiver, so he's got great hands – and, uh, you know, he really battles for the ball, but I think he can be beat. Um, well, let's keep it there and talk about Micah. Mm -hmm. uh, Gary, you got to see arguably the greatest uh, defense player of all time. No, 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 player. don't, John. Do no, not I know. I no, know. I'm not saying – I'm not. Don't. I was going to – Jody and I, the only reason I bring it up, Jody and I were talking about MVPs, and I said, you got to go back to Lawrence Taylor to talk about a defensive MVP. Okay. And then Just, before and, and the sentence right there, do not be comparing yeah. Michael Parsons in his second year to the greatest no. defensive and, player. But, uh, how? I, and I'm not. And I, I, I just bring up the point that that's how good you have to be to be an MVP, um, right? As a defensive player. Okay. Um, but as far as impact on on the game and the NFL in today's environment. In year two, is Micah Parsons already the most dominant defensive player? This is the era of Aaron Donald. Is he already the most dominant NFL defensive player? 
That's a good, I, I think he's, let's see if I can put it this way. He's the most versatile dominant player in the league right now because they can line him up in a duff, bunch of different spots and you always have to account, you know, for where he is. Um, I, I, I do want to see a little bit more. I, I want to see him. I want to see him Sunday night in a really big game where the Cowboys need him to dominate and see how he does against a really good offensive line against a team that's going to scheme against him and, uh, and see, and see what he can produce. But, you know, he's obviously been incredibly impressive and uh, so many teams are going to regret uh, passing on him, including two teams in the division. I mean, the Eagles traded with the Cowboys to get ahead of the Giants to take Devontae Smith um, to get that wide receiver. Um, And then the Giants traded down out of the next spot when they could have taken Micah Parsons. um, And and that trade's, you know, just been – a disaster for the Giants just yeah. in terms of, you know, they took Kadarius Tony yeah. with the trade down. Now they got um, uh, uh, um, Kayvon Thibodeau um, with the, with the uh, Bears pick. Oh, it was Neil. It was one of the two that they, you know, Giants. So, you know, they, they recouped a little bit in this draft, but um, I think anybody, if you redraft, the Eagles take Parsons or the Giants take Parsons rather than what they did. Um, so we'll see both Smith and, um, and Parsons on the field together. Now, the, the, I mean, it, this is always one of the great rivalries. I, I think that the, all, you know, the years that I lived in Dallas, um, and that was 81 to 89, uh, the Wa- Washington and Philadelphia were the giants, uh, the Cowboys, two biggest rivals. And then the giants started getting good in the mid eighties. And so that the NFC East was just a tremendous division to cover, but I think right now, as it stands, um, considering how the two teams have done over the last decade, um, I, I think the Cowboys' biggest rival is definitely the Eagles, and I know for sure that the Eagles' biggest oh, rival yeah. is yeah. Dallas. So uh, I, I would imagine with a night game and fans having a little time uh, in the parking lot prior to the game, <laughs> that it, it might be. Uh, it might be a little bit of a rowdy atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and, uh, probably a pretty safe bet, Gary. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. I you mentioned that you went to the uh, Cowboys Eagle game earlier this year, and the Cowboys. I did. I watched that one on TV, and uh, their defense, their ability to get pressure. That game, Parsons wasn't really all that big a factor. Right. I think the Giants decide we're not going to let Parsons beat us, so everybody else did. That's how good the defense is of the Cowboys. But I want to ask you about the Giants because they too are four and one. Much surprise to me. Much surprise to my partner Johnny Mack, who's continued to say they stink. We can't. No, I backed off it. I did say that. I did say that. Yeah, but I backed off it. How are they doing it? Well, I think uh, Brian Dayball is uh, Dayball. That's how he pronounces it. Um, uh, It gives them something they haven't had since probably 2011 when Coughlin did a great job yeah. and, and that's a really good coach. Uh, ben McAdoo, you know, his first year got him in the playoffs, but you know, he was bad his second year, didn't make it through his whole second year. And then they had Pat Shermer and, and Joe judge. So every Sunday when the giants went on the field, they were a disadvantage uh, coaching. And I'll tell you this, I think there's one play here where 
kind of tells the story of what's happened to the Giants so far. And that was late in the Tennessee game in the opener where the Giants score a touchdown to get within a point. And I can't remember how much time was left, but it was less than a minute uh, and maybe even way less than 30 seconds, something like that. And, and Dable goes for two uh, instead of kicking the extra point and taking the game into overtime. And I think he won. He was very popular up to that point. The, the players really like him. But he completely won over the locker room by showing faith in his in his guys uh, by saying, you know, the heck with overtime. Let's win the game right now. Now, that's different than what Josh McDaniels tried to do on Sunday night, going for two with four and a half minutes left and leaving himself a point down when um, when they didn't get the, they didn't convert the two pointer. But uh, at that point in the game with, you know, say 30 seconds or so left uh, and the Giants had momentum, having just gone drove down the field to score. Dable made a statement to his team that I believe in you guys and they had his back you know Barkley made a really nice run broke a couple of tackles to get into the end zone the Giants win the game by a point and I think they've carried that feeling um, over the last four games and they could have won the Dallas game it was it was a close game uh, throughout and you know winning that game in Green Bay I think um, against Green Bay rather in, in London London yeah I, I think it's got giant fans, you know, more excited than they've been, you know, certainly since they made the playoffs in 2016. I mean, it's amazing when you think about going into the season over the last five years, the Giants and Jets tied for the worst record in the NFL in that five rough stretch I mean, for New York football. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. people here, are, you know, they're really excited about the Giants. Uh, I know we don't necessarily want to talk about the Jets, but they're really excited about the Jets. Um, being three and two at this point and both teams being, you know, over 500, you know, and it's October. I mean, it's already October. I'm saying the season here has always been over by before the baseball season has been over, <laughs> you know, like the giant jet season has always been over the last two years before the Yankee season. Yeah. Is over. Yeah. And um, so it's fun around here right now to have two teams to talk about that are doing well. Well, and I think they, I, you're right. I think the Giants finally got it right at coach and, and, and GM as well, hopefully. Um, I think the Jets got it right at GM with Joe Douglas. We'll see with, with Robert Sala uh, moving forward. I, I, I do want to talk about coaching from the, from the Dallas perspective, Gary, because so many people in this league, uh, not in the league, but so many uh, uh, people who cover the league, fans certainly. I, I get this feeling they don't like Mike McCarthy as a coach at all. I, I don't know. He's won 10 games nine times. He's on track to do it again. Um, they might have the most highly regarded group of coordinators, Dan Quinn. Uh, everybody knows Dan as a defensive coordinator. Kellen Moore is a young offensive mind. John Postle is a special teams coach. Um, what do you think of the Cowboys coaching staff keeping the head above water with Cooper Rush? How big of an impact has that been? Well, I think that Mike McCarthy um, kind of came to Dallas having overcome the stories that he and Aaron Rodgers had a falling out. And, 
at that point, Aaron Rodgers' words carried a lot of weight. I think he's lost some credibility for a variety of reasons over the last year or so. I'm talking about Rodgers. Um, so I, I believe that McCarthy kind of had to overcome um, some of the things that Rodgers had said about him or at least stories that were written about their relationship. And, and then he hasn't necessarily been the get best game manager or at least he hadn't been in his first year. He made some really curious decisions, you know, after taking time off, after he got fired by Green Bay, apparently he, he accumulated this think tank of former coaches and they got together, studied analytics, and then he stayed, started making some really bizarre game management decisions and people got down on him in, in Dallas. Um, and then they lose the playoff game at home last year to San Francisco when they, they, they really were their better team through the regular season. And so, and I think you combine that John with Sean Payton sit, sitting there. Yeah, yeah. Warming up in the bullpen. Yeah. Um, and people looking for McCarthy to slip up so you can get the Payton narrative, you know, really at full speed, but you're right. He has excellent coordinators. I think that, you know, Dan Quinn will have another opportunity to be a head coach in this league for sure. And he did some interviews last year. I'm not sure if Jerry talked him out of taking any of these jobs. Jerry can be very persuasive with his checkbook. And, and Dan might have looked at it like he was the coach in waiting if uh, something happened to McCarthy. Uh, so he stayed. And um, I can tell you this, that being a defensive coordinator in Dallas when the team is doing well and getting paid top dollar by Jerry can be a lot more fun than being a head coach of a bad team. Good point. Yeah. And so he's probably looking for the right spot. Kellen Moore is one of these young co- – I'm not sold on him necessarily as being a head coach right now, and I know he's had some interviews as well. Uh, John Fossil I've known for a long time, you know, through his dad, you know, Jim, who unfortunately passed away within the last couple of years. Uh, but he's a really creative special teams coach. Sometimes take too many chances, but a lot of times – you know, his risks do have a high reward. So he, he McCarthy has surrounded himself with a really good group of coordinators, which means McCarthy himself is just left to be like the CEO of the Cowboys and, and run game day. And uh, he, he, he does appear to me, now I don't get to see every Cowboy game, but it appears to me he's gotten better with that and is not one of these coaches like Brandon Staley with the Chargers who's looking to reinvent the game on a weekly basis yeah. <laughs> with some really strange decisions. Gary, unfortunately, we've reached the juncture of the season that always annoys me because I do a national show on Sundays and the more to talk about, the better. The bye weeks kick in this week. And one mm-hmm. of the teams that off is off is the Raiders. By the time the Raiders return the week after, will Devontae Adams have been suspended for what he did to the cameraman the other night? walking off the field after the Raiders lost to the Chiefs. Boy, that's that's a really good uh, question, Jody. I'm not sure. I think the league will certainly investigate whether – I mean, I, I saw the, the tape of it, and it just looks like the cameraman was in his way, that he didn't do anything to – he didn't say anything to Adams. It didn't appear that way, you know, to, to instigate a situation. You have a player running off the field who uh, – is upset. He had a, a play nullified that looked like a good catch initially. 
then he and Hunter Renfro run into each other on the last offensive play of the game. So, you know, the emotions are running high. Uh, I think he's apologized. Uh, there's no excuse for what he did. Um, I, I don't know if if he I, – I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Okay. Um, how the league is going to look at that, um, if he's going to get anything more than a – you know, uh, get get fined uh, by the league. Whether they're going to take him off the field for that, I I, I don't know. I, I I can't remember a situation like that where um, you know a player basically you know stiff armed um, a cameraman or a member of the media um, and and looking for a precedent on how the league handled that. Yeah, I mean, I what do you guys know. think? You think he's going to be suspended? Don't know I, if there is a precedent. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. The, it, the NFL, in their ability to drag their feet, will yeah. not do anything between now and when the I, I, my personal opinion, Gary, and this has more. I think the NFL pays too much attention to uh, social media reaction. So I think a lot of it depends. They kind of put their finger in the air and see which where are we going mm -hmm. uh, on on Twitter and social media and people like that. I ultimately, I think he's going to get suspended for a game, but. That's just uh, you know what's interesting, guys, is that um, there seem to be more concern and more uh, pushback on social media about what Chris Collinsworth said about you know take the dresses off after that horrendous uh, roughing the passer call. There's more pushback. It wasn't that men. Troy? I think that was Troy. I think that wasn't it, Troy. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I just didn't want to. Yeah. It was. It yeah, was Troy, Troy, not Chris. Of course, yeah. it was Monday night. I'm sorry. Uh, more talk. No, about I that. agree. Yeah, Troy got and a lot about uh, Devonte Adams. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 really interesting to me that every word, and I'm not gonna take a stand on what Troy said. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. I will. I think Troy was right, and shouldn't yeah, take I think I, I have no it. problem with what Troy. Yeah, I, I just didn't want to upset your your yeah. your yeah. your audience here. That's but okay, I Gary. Have, we upset our audience all the, all the time. time. Okay, yeah. don't worry then, about that. Yeah. I mean, that was an expression that always was yeah. used. Yeah. You know about you know players who were soft or yeah. or penalties that we didn't think were, were warranted. Um, you say, come on, it's time to take the dresses off. You can't do that anymore, I guess. You know, well, well, well you know, Bill Parcells called uh, a t uh, he, he sent she at one hey, point yeah, was a t yeah, yeah, Terry Glenn, yeah, uh, Terry Glenn. I'm sorry, can you yeah. imagine? Oh. you know, it's funny. I, I talked to Parcells the other day and I was, I was saying to him, Bill, you would have hated coaching today. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you can't put pads yeah. on in practice very often. No. In training camp, there's no two. He used to run two days in pads for six weeks. Now you can't use put the players in pads more than a few times a week. There's no more two days. You know, the off-season program has been cut to about three days. You know, he would have hated <laughs> coaching in, these yeah. in this era. I, I, that's why I give Belichick a ton of credit in how yeah. he's transitioned from the era where you can really – you know, get your play, get your players in great shape in the summer, and and work them hard during the season to a situation where you can. I know it's a, it's a, I don't want to open a can of worms here, but that's why you see so many teams looking horrible in September. 
is because they're not working hard enough during training camp because the rules don't allow them to. And then nobody's playing in the preseason games. We yeah. talk about that a lot here on the show, which ticks some of our fans off because we question yeah. the fact that the Eagles are one of the lighter practicing teams. I got, we're running out of time. I know you were working on a book about life after football, and that kind of ties into what we were just talking about, the toughness of the game, what it was as compared to today. No, it had a future release date. How's it going? When exactly are we going to be on the lookout for it? Okay, it's going to be right around the season opener next year. And it's called uh, Once a Giant, the stories, the story of triumph, tragedy, and life after football. And I'm almost done writing it. I'm really, really excited about it. As you can see, you know, I've written a couple books um, that have done well by the posters behind me. but I'm more excited about this book than I have about any that I've written. I think it's an important book. And it's not just a book that will appeal to Giant fans. What I'm doing is, is kind of telling the story of the 86 Giants, the Super Bowl team. But it's not like a game-by-game, play-by-play recount of it. It's how they came together, formed a bond that was solidified by the championship, and how that led to lifelong friendships where now that these guys are in their late fifties, mid sixties, late sixties, they've stayed so close and the fortunate ones are taking care of the unfortunate ones. And um, I really detail some amazing stories about what some of these guys are going through real life situations, uh, situations that they definitely pin to their years in football, uh, all the contact, especially, you know, brain trauma and, how that the situation that's left a bunch of them in. And um, like I said, I think this is going to be an important book because um, it really attacks the issue that should be most on the minds of players from uh, yesterday, past players, players from today and, and high school and college players uh, as they try to project you know, what the impact of what their football careers will have on their lives when football is over. So, um, you know, I've talked to probably about 25 or 30 of the players and coaches from that team. Uh, I had to draw a line because I would have had enough material to write a 600 word book, but you know, all, all the key players and coaches I've spoken to. And what I'm most proud of is I got Bill Belichick to cooperate. And he yeah. cooperates with nothing other than his press conferences during the week in which he says very little. But he was very expansive and forthcoming with me about uh, his time with the Giants, his relationship with the Giants, uh, his relationship with Parcells, which was fascinating. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a book that, you know, people not only in New York, but people hopefully around the country who have an interest in football and and it's, it's kind of a human interest book, too, because it, it really does transcend football. Shocking that Belichick didn't say, just move on to Parcells. Yeah. That's well, Bill know. loves, Bill loves history. Yeah. Bill loves no. history stuff. So if he does talk, you get him going on history. He, he, history he, I know. Works. And you yeah. know what? He, he was great. And Bill and I, for a long time, didn't speak because I was very critical of him during the Spygate stuff. But I sat next to him. I was on the Centennial Committee for the Hall of Fame a few years ago. We sat next to each other for nine hours in a in a meeting room, in, in a conference room in Canton at the Hall of Fame when we were picking those 
20 guys, including Harold Carmichael. Um, and so I hadn't really spoken to him for a really long time. And I just decided, you know, I'm going to break the ice with Bill. I'm going to say hello to him. If he wants to ignore me, you know, he's got no one to talk to for nine hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, I was very gracious when he sat down. We shook hands. I said, Bill, they just lost to Tennessee in the wildcard game a couple of days before, which was Brady's last game. So obviously I thought he'd be pretty cranky, but um, we, I have to admit, and people don't believe this. We had a great time sitting next to each other. He was asking me questions because I had been on the committee for a long time. And this was his first hall of fame meeting. Uh, he was asking me questions about the process and why guys were, weren't in at that point. You know, I was asking him his opinion, opinion on some of the, older seniors because he had done a lot of whatever tape he can come up, up with from the thirties and forties. He had studied it and we've had a great email relationship since then. Nice. So I, I'm really proud of the fact that, uh, that I decided when he sat down, I was going to initiate a conversation with him and then, you know, put it on him whether he wanted to talk to me or not. And uh, we've had a great relationship since then. Gary, we're very much looking forward to the book. We're going to have you plenty since it's not coming out till next September. We'll be on plenty uh, between now and then, both this year in season and the Hall of Fame stuff. Love having you on uh, during the Hall of Fame time as well. Appreciate you coming on with us today. We'll talk to you again soon enough, bud. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the game Sunday night. And don't make a fool of yourself in the parking lot, okay? Yeah, uh, McMullen, Mike. I'll, I'll, I'll do I, my. I best, won't be there. I'll no, be on no the air. Promises. So. No promises. <laughs> <laughs> That's Gary Myers, NFL author, and uh, yeah, he shared that story with me before about spending nine, nine hours with Belichick at a Hall of Fame. You meeting. told that story on this show. Yeah, I have, yeah. Uh, and Gary told me, and uh, it's been prosperous for him since. He's that good a guy. He earned it. All right, coming back, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac. You know what we got to do? Put a bow on this show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit, and the hits. Go for the stakes, and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown's five-day used car super sale. Jeff puts an end to high prices now. Five days of the best car, truck, and SUV deals ever. Over 1,000 vehicles, every make and model. Stop overpaying. See Jeff today and get a quality car, truck, or SUV now. The five-day used car super sale. Experience how easy it is to deal at Jeff's. Nobody treats you better. Nobody gives you more. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. GoJeffAuto.com.
score and save this football season on your car insurance. Before the next game, save up to 40% on your auto insurance policy. That's right, 40% savings. Call an Audible this season and contact the Del Val Insurance Group. They're an advocate for you, not an insurance company. That means they'll get you the right coverage and save you up to 40%. Call managing partners Fran or Jim of Del Val Insurance, 215-354-0122. Or score and save at dvigi.com. dvigi.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Over the last 17 years, we've built a reputation of growing award-winning teams across the country. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Taking on this Wednesday edition of Birds 365 in Dallas Week. McDonald and McMullen here. All right, I'm going to try and put you on the spot here, John. We only got a little time left, so you can't dodge and weave. Uh, I had uh, Scott Laber on my show on WIP last night, Beat Guy Inquirer Phillies. And he said to me, Jody, I've done this before in this ballpark. Got a story written. Phillies have a lead. Uh oh, got to hit the oh, yeah. Because. Uh, <laughs> you think you know how it's going to end and then it ends completely different. And damn, if the Braves didn't get three runs last night, the ninth inning to make it a ball game, but I was able to stay the course. You're a beat guy. You've got some ideas rumbling around in your head after you caught up on your sleep yesterday. What are you thinking about today heading over there that you hope Nick Sirianni either bolsters your story or he blows your story out of the water. It's, all right, I won't be writing that one if that's the stance that Nick's taking. You got it. You got one uh, percolating for us, bud. Well, I think scaling back to a walkthrough so late is um, the story midweek, and I think it's related to the offensive line. So if he goes in a different direction, that would blow up uh, my thought process there. So. Uh, that would be the best example in week. You know, I like something you said. Uh, there's only one undefeated team, but there's two undefeated quarterbacks. I'm telling you right now, I'm already stealing that, Joe. That's all right. So, Johnny so Mac. Thank you for that. Me line is you line. You yeah. Feel free at any time. You and I are partners, buddy. Uh, yeah. So I, I appreciate you for that one. I'm going to be using that this week, but that's uh, game related. Uh, so that's probably going to be my lead for the game. I'm already telling you that. Uh, but those are the two things right off the bat. And where does it go from here? Well, you got two places to check. 
First on jacobsports.com. Johnny may have a missive between now and when we come back here tomorrow. I'm back in 22 hours. Are you McMullen? Day to day, but let's do it. You'll be back with me tomorrow. Two and two on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.